What's up, kids? Welcome back to the What If Project podcast, the greatest place on the interwebs. My name is Glenn, Glenn Siepert. I'm your host, and this is episode number 213. And uh, today we're sitting down with Felicia Wu Song, who wrote a book called Restless Devices, Recovering Personhood, Presence, and Place in the Digital Age. I really had to try not to like nerd out for this episode. Uh, if you've been following the show for a while, you know that I graduated from seminary in 2019 with my doctor of ministry, my doctorate in global Christian leadership. And the uh, my dissertation project was about how the church can use social media and technology to bring people closer together and then bring people closer to God and things like that. And so for like three years of writing this dissertation, uh, I read and read and read and read a lot of books about technology, uh, social media, how it uh, impacts our brains, our relationships, all the things. Uh, I wrote pieces about the dangers. I wrote pieces about the good things. It was just, a, it was a, it was a project. It was like almost a hundred and I don't know, 80 pages, something like that. But I read tons of stuff, did like a research experiment type thing. It was a wild scene. But Felicia, somebody who studies the same kind of stuff, she's a sociologist. And I said to her, I wish I would have had this book. I wish this book was written when I was writing my dissertation because it would have been so helpful in so many areas. But we had a really good conversation about some really important things regarding how to, how, to, how to live as a full human being, how to live as a follower of Christ uh, in this world, uh, in this digital world that we live in, uh, in, in devices that can keep us separate and distance. How do we maintain those relationships? How do we grow those relationships? Really important stuff. And uh, I was really vulnerable with her in this episode because for those of you who follow me, again, you know that my, my job is I do this podcast and I do social media for Alexander Shia and Choir Publishing. Um, and I also do some volunteer social media stuff for Bart Ehrman. I do some social media stuff for Can I Say This at Church podcast uh, with Seth Price. And I'm, I'm kind of all over the place doing a lot of stuff in regards to social media. So I'm on my technology a lot. And so I asked her some really pointed questions about, about that and my situation and other people who are, have similar ones. And we just had a really good, really good takeaways and I think really helpful stuff. So I'm excited to share this uh, episode with you. Uh, I'll put the links to her book in the show notes. She is not on social media for obvious reasons. Uh, she's not there, but she does have a website and uh, I'll put the link to her book. I think she has two books, this one and another one as well. But I'll put the links in the show notes and you should go and check them out uh, for sure. And the book, it's not like a how-to book. It's not like it's going to give you four steps to get rid of social media. It's not about that at all. It's about how to maintain a balance in your life. And if you recognize that, hey, there's maybe an issue with me in regards to social media, uh, what are some different things I can do and implement in order to ma make sure that I don't lose my personhood, my presence, and my place uh, in my everyday life. So anyway, good stuff. All the links in the show notes. My book in the show notes, Rethinking Everything, uh, My Spiritual Journey from Black and White Thinking to a World of Color. Uh, Patreon and buy me a coffee also in the show notes. Please listen. Patreon, totally revamping the whole thing in September. Uh, we are getting rid of all the content-driven tiers. Usually the more money you give, the, the greater the reward. Uh, entrance into a Marco Polo group. Uh, sit down with an author who's been on the show and I get to ask them questions about their book. Uh, buy monthly chat with me. And other people on a certain level of Patreon, one-on-one uh, -on -one chats with me, all different kind of things, depending on how much money you give. We're getting rid of the tiers, getting rid of the content. Uh, every tier, whether you give a dollar or a hundred dollars a month, gets the same reward, and that is to be part of a community of people. Uh, we'll different. We'll have different uh, opportunities to get involved with other people, other Patreon supporters. So we'll have a Discord server, kind of like a chat group where we can chat all throughout the day, all throughout the night, all throughout the week. We're going to have book studies together, uh, monthly Zoom hangouts where we just hop on Zoom with coffee or your drink of choice, and we just talk about life and whatever's going on. 
There's going to be a place to meet meet people who are on the journey so that you can feel like you're not alone in, in the waters of deconstruction and rethinking your faith and all the different stuff. So it's going to be very community-driven. So if you go there right now, uh, the tiers still are described as the old way. Uh, the tiers will all remain, but I'll be changing kind of the explanation of the tier so they're all the same and it'll it'll make more sense once I do it. But anyway, the tiers that are there now are staying. Uh, the descriptions of the tiers will change. That's my point. So if you want to support the show, you still can. Just go to patreon.com slash whatifproject. Link is in the show notes and uh, you can support it there. So anyway, more details coming down the pipeline. Uh, but all I have to say, my friends, I'm going to shut up. That's it. That's all I got. This is episode number 213, Felicia Wu Song. Let's talk about social media in the digital world. Enjoy. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing through sunshine and rain. Stressing over everything, losing your brain. Fit back up yourself before you go insane. Levitate over the times that you got the rain. Times are tough, I'm being honest. We can see the light, just remain modest. Uh, can't forget, just a day reminder. Life's a little short, and take off the blinds. Be a little wiser. Build my own future, I'm the pathfinder. CMG is a team with a franchise. Uh, impacted by the worst decisions. Breaking bad habits on the repetition. What you getting to now? Gave too many chances to now. In the bad condition, but it's not the ending. Get yourself together, got no time for reminiscing. I just want to solve the live life. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're joined by Felicia Wu Song to talk about her book, Restless Devices. Recovering Personhood, Presence, and Place in the Digital Age. And so, Felicia, welcome to the podcast. It's an honor to talk with you. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, your flexibility. We've been all over the place <laughs> the last few months trying to schedule this down, but we finally we finally did it. And so, I think I think yes. good things are in store. Uh, so, I'm all sorts of intrigued by your book, which I shared a little bit before we hit record. But before we get too much into that, uh, maybe for our listeners, take a few moments to tell us about yourself for people who aren't familiar with you and your work. Uh, who are you and what do you do? Give us a glimpse into your into your story. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a sociologist um, and I am a professor. I teach at a, a small Christian liberal arts college called Westmont in Santa Barbara, California, which I know is a really tough gig. Um, <laughs> Somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's someone I know. Great sacrifices moving out here. Um, right. And um, yeah, so in sociology, I, um, I'm i a cultural sociologist. That means I'm interested in how meaning is constructed in mm -hmm. society. And I'm particularly interested in um, how technology does that, our, mm -hmm. our digital practices. So I've been looking at social and cultural effects of technology for for. I don't know, 15 years now. Mm. Um, and just, I don't know, really interested in how it impacts our understanding of identity, of community, of relationships. Um, other things about myself. Um, I have two kids. My husband's also a professor. Um, and um, I is wish- he, Is he I at the same school as you? Is he he is, same school? Yeah. yeah, okay. So yes, he's a philosopher. Okay. Um, and- um, yeah. Fun fact about me is that I wish I could play bass guitar. Ooh, it's just it's a great wish. instrument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe that'll be my summer project. There you go. I tried to get into the guitar to guitar once and uh, I couldn't take the way it felt on my fingers. I was getting blisters yeah. and things and I started yeah. to like, like freak out. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> I was like a big baby about it. <laughs> you got to work on those calluses. You do. Those hard calluses. You got to get them. You got to get them. I play violin when I was younger. So okay. I, got, I had a little bit of the callus, but I got to get those calluses back. So uh, to set up our, our conversation, I want to share with you um, that in, I mentioned this before, but in 2019, I graduated from Alliance Theological Seminary with my demon in uh, global Christian leadership. And my mm -hmm. dissertation topic, which was pre-COVID, obviously, pre-pandemic, was how the church can use uh, social media and technology to connect with people or to connect people yeah. together and then connect people to God as well. And so kind of like amidst all of the, the evils of social media, all of the, the negative ways it can be used and all the, you know, the different difficulties that it brings into society, into our lives. And how can we 
harness the positives and use those powers to help deepen people's connection with each other and with God. Now, part of the research obviously was the problems that social media has, how it disconnects us from people. It can disconnect us from the world. It can disconnect us from the issues of the world. And uh, one of the key texts I use, and I, I wish I had your text, like I said before, but one of the key texts I use was, um, you might have heard of it, it was by Michael Frost called Incarnate, where he talks about how um, being the body of Christ in a world of like disengagement, where we're so engaged with our devices and stuff that we're disengaged with each other. And what does it look yeah. like to be the body of Christ in, in that kind of community? So I guess what I want to do today is kind of have a casual uh, conversation with you maybe for the benefit of our, our listeners who are all using our devices, whether it's for personal, whether it's for work, whatever. And, you know, yeah. maybe talk a little bit about the, the dangers of those things and then how to safeguard against those, those dangers. Because like the subtitle says, recovering personhood, mm-hmm. presence, place in the digital age. If we're going to recover those things, that must mean that it's possible for us to lose them um, as well. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that might be the best place to start is talk to us about those three categories and what does it look like to lose our personhood our presence and our place in this very digital age that we all we all live in sure so um i my approach to thinking about the effects of the digital on our lives is Mm -hmm. obviously sociological and (laughs) so my my broad argument is that the way our digital landscape is structured right Mm. now. This is not to say it has to be structured this way, which is what I think is so interesting. I think the way it's structured right now is that it is a highly um, commercialized enterprise, Mm -hmm. right? All the industries are built to um, commodify our relationships, our identities. And what I mean by that is that those industries rely on us, um, our engagement, right? Um, our um, content creation for their uh, profit, right? They're monetizing our content, they're monetizing our interactions. Um, and so the tendencies that are built in these platforms is one in which um, it's, it becomes really easy for us to um, have our identities get narrowed down into whatever just the brand Mm. or the particular curated self that we Mm. put out there, right? That we know um, that that gets affirmed by the number of followers and likes and so forth, right? And so part of my argument is that um, one of the dangers or or concerns about um, spending a lot of time on social media, Mm -hmm. right? Um, or spending a lot of our relational selves on social media is that it's a space that kind of um, shapes and kind of requires or or calls us to um, be a certain kind of of self. Like it's a curated self. It's Mm -hmm. a self that relies on the the instant um, feedback loop, right? About what we say, what pictures we post, right? We, we, find out a lot pretty quickly, right? What works and what doesn't work, (laughs) right? right? And so having that shape who we become, right? Online has a way of stripping away the stuff that's kind of boring, the Mm -hmm. stuff that's um, perhaps our flaws, our weaknesses, Mm -hmm. um, the kind of awkward parts of us, right? That is actually the fullness right, of who we are as people and who I think, especially if we're people of faith, um, is the fullness of, of who God calls us to be um, and that God longs to love, right, all of us. Yeah. And so if we kind of spend a lot of time kind of pressing those parts of us out of the picture, even in our own selves, in our mm-hmm. own self-understanding, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice and each other yeah. a disservice because there's so much um so much that is there right to share with each other um and to um experience communion with each other through um yeah. so that that's the the person heart per- personhood piece sure um, i think too going off of that yeah. way just something that just came to my mind is i feel like 
social media, and this is one of the, the points I made in my, in my project is that mm. it tends to, it's almost like a highlight reel, right? Like it's, yeah. you know, you, you, when you show a highlight reel, like of a baseball game, for instance, you show yeah. the highlights, you show, this is the yes. amazing play. This is right. the amazing home run. This is the team celebrating, yeah. but you don't see like the strikeouts, you know, you know, like you don't see the, the, yeah. the parts of the game where, you know, the player felt humiliated or whatever. So you know, I feel like that's social media because it's, you know, we're constantly showing the highlights of our life, the highs, you know, and the amazing things, the amazing vacation, all the, the yep. smiles and look at this amazing project I did. It's all the things that bring in the likes. But to your point, it's like when we leave out the, the lower points, it, mm-hmm. it does cause, I think, a, a piece of disconnection because I think we so often feel connected to each other when it feels like, oh, you're going through the same turmoil <laughs> and horror that I'm going through. And so there, yeah. there's that point, there's that, that, that connection that's lacking when we're just showing the highlights of our lives. That's what yeah. came to mind while you were talking. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I think there's a way in which like the, the, the really troubling feedback loop is that I think a lot of us, and I felt this way when I was on social media, it's like, I start to live for that highlight reel. You know, like I start to wonder why is my life so dull? Like I got to make some highlights wrong with me. Um, (laughs) And like every little thing. Right. And so we start to evaluate our life Mm -hmm. based on the highlight reel. And that's when it gets really wonky. Right. It's kind of like, what is going on here? Like I've got it all flipped around. Right. Like this isn't what we were meant to live. Like this is not a real life. That's right. Um, it's not highlights all the time. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so how do I cope, you know, with the quote unquote, right. With the non-highlight part of my life. That's right. Um, when it feels like everyone else and, and myself even, um, so privileges, um, yeah. those, those big home runs. Yeah. So the other two parts, um, presence and place, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, we were talking about this, uh, y- you mentioned this in um, the book Incarnate, mm-hmm. right, is, is this idea that, that um, I think our technologies really privilege the capacity to not be physically present with each other, yep. right? I mean, it, yep. that's sort of the dazzling um, feature of it. I can right? be there, but not can, there. <laughs> right, like you and I can be having this conversation on, on, on two coasts and that's amazing, right? Um, and, and it is amazing, mm-hmm. right? It, it is amazing that we don't have to be physically embodied to do so many things now and yep. to understand so many things um, and to hear other people's stories and other parts of the world, that's all remarkable yeah. and can be so um, affirming and so um, helpful in mm-hmm. understanding other parts of the world and other people. Um, but at the same time, we can, again, if, if we spend disproportionate amounts of our, our lived experience online, I think we can lose out in not being present um, or or not recognizing that actually we are still in our bodies Mm -hmm. um, and that there are still people around us. Mm -hmm. We are still in a place wherever it may be. Um, And that again, as a person of faith, man, there's some, there's some significance to our being physically embodied and being in a particular location, Mm -hmm. um, that I think is, um, easy to miss out on, um, easy to avoid, you know, there's a lot of places and people we don't want to be in or (laughs) around, you know, which I get right. Life, it isn't always like fine and dandy and happy, right. Being with these people and in these places, but to constantly just be using our technology to avoid it, mm-hmm. right, isn't healthy either. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's it's those pieces of like how do we be, how do we learn to be present in our bodies with other people in mm-hmm. the places that we are at, to either um, find out what beautiful. Um, environment and space we're actually in, right? Mm-hmm. And to enjoy it for what it is, the gifts that are there, but also to 
find ways to learn how to engage the things that may be difficult and challenging, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that we aren't just merely kind of putting it to the side, yeah. kind of avoiding it, yeah. um, which I think our technologies are very persuasive in letting us do, right? Yeah. I think we yeah. can, I mean, I think sometimes we, we do, we live that, that disembodied way out of necessity for, you know, maybe, maybe for work, right? Maybe we have to use virtual things for work. Maybe that's just part of the job. And so we do that, but it's very easy, I think, for that to become the norm. Like, well, it Mm -hmm. works and work, work in my life too. (laughs) You know, I got it's much easier to relate to this person. I don't really, maybe I don't really like, or I don't really want to be around virtually because Mm -hmm. I do it for work. Mm -hmm. So bring that into my life as well. And, and before you know it, it just kind of, I think it just kind of spirals to, you know, you, you start to live more disembodied um, in, in your everyday life, just because you start to get used to, you start to get used to it. Yeah. It is a training, you right. know, it is a, a way of being that we train yep. ourselves into. And if there aren't things that are pulling you out of it, you know, like a, a two-year-old child clinging to your leg or something like that, right? It, five-year-old, it, yeah. five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and so it 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 is it is really challenging. And yeah. and then it's like, well, you know, how does one um engage one's family members um who are present to us and not even perhaps feel resentful about their needs and um, the responsibilities that we might have for them when there's this other world, right. That um, is online that, that um, in some way, in in some ways has, has less of a, um, they can't hold us as accountable (laughs) as the people that are right there with us. I can just um, shut you off right now. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Pull the plug. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right yeah Can't harder do that to do life. that with people in our households That's exactly right. exactly all right so the last one is place personhood presence yeah place yeah i think um you know i'm i'm really lucky to live in a place mm-hmm. that is beautiful all the time it's mm-hmm. kind of insane like no one should have a right to live here i was gonna um, ask you is it as glorious as they all say just be honest it with me. is it is, it is glorious. I mean, it's it's a lotus land type of space where you forget that other people are experiencing weather. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I happen to have the luxury and privilege of living in an incredibly beautiful place. Um, but I think the, the placeness, you know, I mean, there are tons of other thinkers and writers, you know, I'm thinking about like Wendell Berry, right. Mm -hmm. Kind of famously, like, who's just very good at talking about the significance of the local Mm -hmm. and the places that we inhabit, Mm -hmm. um, that there are, that there is something, uh, very human, Mm -hmm. right. About interacting with either the earth, Mm -hmm. um, with nature, or the community, the local community that we're mm-hmm. in that feeds us, um, that brings out something in us that is um, profoundly human, uh, mm-hmm. that is very different from the kind of hyper-cosmopolitan, jet-setting sort of life Sure. Um, that, that offers a kind of groundedness mm-hmm. um, that I think um, so many of us are looking for. Yeah. Um, and so, um, the placeness, um, I, again, I think it's, it's super easy to, um, spend a lot of time online, um, having place become irrelevant, Yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. like I can, it is again, amazing that I can do so many things online, no matter what city I'm in, no, no matter what place I'm in, I can still conduct my business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, it, um, has the potential to have a kind of atrophying effect on us where we come to not see the places yeah. we are in yeah. and not notice what's going on. Yeah. I think it's especially true. I mean, even now, I guess technology develops and there's 
like virtual reality is obviously a big thing yeah. now. So like you have these yeah. goggles on, you have these things mm-hmm. in your hand and you can literally go anywhere that you want to. And mm-hmm. you can just be in your living room, you know, in this place that yeah. you're in, whether whatever, wherever it is that you live, whether it's New Jersey, North Carolina, Santa Barbara, but you can go anywhere yeah. you want in the world with these goggles yeah. on. And I haven't tried them yet, but I have friends who, who have them and they say it's like literally like you're standing in a different place. Yeah. Which is very I cool. Like you said, it's very cool. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. if you think about, if you allow your mind to go with the, the problems that can create, if that's the world that we live in all the time, it's very, mm-hmm. it's very alarming. So talk to the person who all the stuff of mine you just shared, and I'm going to use myself as an example. I'll put myself <laughs> out there for a minute, but, but the person who like technology is not only used obviously for their personal life, but it's also like their primary, where their primary work is found. So like mm-hmm. for me, I have, I have, th- I say three jobs. One is I host this podcast to do all the social mm-hmm. media myself. Um, mm-hmm. Two, I do social media for a small publishing company. So I make their graphics. I run their accounts, do all those things. And then I yeah. also do social media for uh, Alexander John Shia, who's like a mentor of mine. He's a, he's a mystical mm-hmm. teacher. He's an author. So I do those. Those are the three things I do. So I'm on my phone all the time. Uh, I'm just yeah. being vulnerable with you. I'm on the phone all the time. Yeah. I'm responsible to yeah. reply to people in a timely manner, you know, grow social media accounts, network with mm-hmm. people, uh, build these virtual relationships, you know, help people feel less alone if they're feeling disconnected in some way from church, things like that. And I love it, right? Because my dissertation mm-hmm. was all about that. Like it was literally mm-hmm. about can we yeah. leverage the positive things to make people feel less alone? And the other day I was just talking to somebody who came on the podcast. He's a, a well-known author. And he said to me after we were done, he said, you know, you're kind of, he said, I see a lot of podcasters, but he said, you're really kind of like a pioneer in the sense that you So I watch what you do online and you have a real interesting ability to bring people together. He's like, I see people like on different continents who the way they interact with each other, like in your groups and stuff like that, is like, it's almost like they know each other, but they really don't kind of thing. It's like, it's just very, very interesting. And so, you know, I feel like this is my, my wheelhouse. Like, I feel like it's something I love yeah. to do, but as yeah. great as it is, it obviously has, you know, a lot of dangers that it carries with it because, you know, yeah. being glued to my phone, my computer, my iPad, you know, when I look at my screen time at the end of the, at the end of the week, it's it's horrifying. (laughs) It's very scary, but it can become addictive and it can easily cause me to feel like I said before, disconnected from those who are most present in my life, my wife, my daughter, my friends, things like that. So I guess my question is how, how can someone whose personal life and job keeps, that keeps them so connected to the devices, like how can how can they safeguard against the dangers of losing personhood mm-hmm. presence and place? Like, is there hope <laughs> for people <laughs> like me or is it just safeguards we can put up? Are we doomed? <laughs> Should we get a different job? <laughs> Say it isn't so. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, those are great questions. Um, and I, and I'm so glad for you that you mm. love what you do. Yeah. You know, um, Thank you. because I think there's kind of two groups of people there, there are folks like you who like are good at what you do and you love it. Mm-hmm. And then there are folks that are having to be online a lot on their screens a lot. And they're actually, they're just worn down by it, right? Yeah. Like they're just completely exhausted and overwhelmed yeah. Yeah. Um, by the demands. Yep. And so, um, I think, um, I mean, it's interesting to hear you talk about work because in some ways, you know, one part of my brain while you're speaking and sharing kind of went to like, well, what you're asking in some ways is about work, (laughs) right? (laughs) Sort of like work in general, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like so many of us have jobs that, that don't have clear boundaries, right? right. Um, In terms of time clocking in, clocking out, right? And so how do we manage that part of our lives? Well, Um, but it, I think with the um, 24/7ness and the yeah. the you the kind of mob, the mobile technology um, plus expect cross intersecting with expectations you were talking yeah. about responding in a timely manner yeah. right it it makes me think about um, all the all the professions uh, that that also 
you know, pre-digital also had that quality, right? So I'm thinking about first responders, yeah. thinking about, you know, doctors and yeah. right, folks that have always had a bit of that, you know, like you never really clock out. Sure. Um, and you can be on call for a long time. Yeah. I think about those people and their professions. Uh, and I think about, you know, my my brother's a, a doctor and and um you know, he's always got his little beeper, Yeah. you know, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know uh, especially, you know, those of us old enough to remember when people really all had beepers. <laughs> that was the cool was so thing. Cool. Right. <laughs> that was the iPhone of the day. <laughs> That's right. Um, but it's like, you know, even the first responders, they had time off, That's right. you know, mm-hmm. they took time off. They, they were, they were supposed to take time off mm-hmm. so that they could do their jobs well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that they could tend to the fire, you know, do the surgery and so forth. And so I think what's troubling to me and concerning about our digital professions is that we don't have that expectation, you know, right. built into the profession, yep. the way that we have traditionally had yep. for other first responders. And I think that's a real problem, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's just unsustainable. Yeah. Right. Professionally, it is unsustainable because you, we are not machines. We do, we are not 24 seven, like bodies yeah. and minds, yeah. right. And, and psyches, we, mm-hmm. we don't function that way. And so I think, um, some of it is my sociology brain is like, some of it is a structural problem. Like mm-hmm. we've got to really deal with the structural problems. Like we need to let people stop working on weekends or stop working at certain times and be like, we need you, you know, bosses and, and companies need to say, and, and you see this happening actually Mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley, right? Some companies that are starting to set those boundaries and being like, Hey, when you go on vacation, we want you to go on vacation. You know, we're going to expunge all those emails that you get in between because we are not expecting you to come back to an avalanche. Yeah. Right. Um, And so I think there are some structural things that that we really need to see happening in our society and organizations and and amongst our kind of industries and profession, professional guilds. Um, But I think for as an individual, I think that in similar ways, we need to be not only committed, but give ourselves permission Mm -hmm. to to have, um, to protect and to enjoy sacred spaces and sacred times, yeah. right? To yeah. say, there are times and places in my life that are just going to be tech-free, hmm. right? That are just going to, you know, and, and that can be as ambitious as, you know, entire days, <laughs> or it can be as modest as 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. Something. And I think the, the 15 minutes in the begin, you know, when you wake up, right. When you wake up in the 15 minutes before you go to bed, I mean, 15 minutes that can, you know, I've been practicing that for a couple of years now yeah. and it's, it's a real thing, right? Yeah. I mean, 15 minutes of just quiet, right. Um, or 15 minutes of being with the person, you know, in your life that is, is precious and valuable to you, right. That's, that's tech free Mm -hmm. Um, and setting it as a discipline and just being like, this is just my life. Like, Mm -hmm. like no one is entering, you know, none of the tech stuff is entering into this space. And so I think there are, there, there is that need in us. um, And you mentioned, um, um, your boss in, in a mystic teacher, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think about the contemplative tradition a lot yep. these days yep. Yep. because I think that's actually maybe the tradition of our times, yeah. given the technology and given the 24 sevenness of yeah. it. That's right. It's like the contemplative tradition has had such a rich history of disciplines mm-hmm. that are about you know, how does one ground oneself through <laughs> prayer and meditation and practice that um, that's kind of keeps so much of the other stuff at bay, yeah. 
Yeah. Even when you're in it, That's right? right? That's right. Um, but really needing to train in that. And I think, you know, there's it's not a mistake that, you know, certain iterations of Buddhist traditions mm-hmm. are so popular in yep. Silicon Valley, yep. right? Um, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. And so to me, I think there's that those traditions and practices of meditation and prayer are in historical Christianity as well, 100%. the desert fathers and the desert yeah. mothers, yeah. right? And so it's, I think there's just so much there that we have to learn. Um, so much. Yeah, yeah. That I, that we just haven't tapped into yet on, yeah. on a kind of mainstream level. Yeah. But I think it's, it might be the only thing that keeps us from spiraling out, especially as you said, um, because if it's not a part of our kind of mainstream ways of talking about discipleship, mm-hmm. um, Christian discipleship, I just, I'm not sure that the tools that we have right now are gonna make inroads yeah. against the kind of tidal wave of, you know, you know, what you're even talking about with virtual reality, mm-hmm. you know, meta, you know, like whatever's coming, right, whatever. you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's going to be pretty immersive. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I think finding ways to build those sacred spaces and places, giving ourselves permission mm-hmm. um, and, and really working at protecting it and to say like, Hey, you know, I want to live a life. <laughs> and I tell my students this, it's just like, I, I, we always talk about, you know, when you're, when you're old and you look back on your life, you turn your head around your shoulder and you look back, like, what is it that you want to see? Yeah. You know, and most of us aren't going to be like, oh, I had so many followers or I got this great, you know, response to this post. Yeah. Most of us are going to say things like family and experiences in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. travel, whatever it might be. And then we have conversations about, okay, you know, yes, you, you're a student or you have work, but how are you going to build your life now? So that when you look back later, you're like, yeah, I, I did that, you know, like I, I did spend time with those people I loved. That's right. And we do that incrementally, you know, um, we can, we can't just like make it all happen yeah. or we can't quit our jobs and do something else. Right. It's like, no, we, we do that little bit by bit and just like saying, Hey, when I get together with this person during this meal, I'm going to turn my phone off just mm-hmm. for these 40 minutes, yeah. you know, just so that I'm, I'm all there with them. Yeah. And I'm not thinking about or worried about someone kind of buzzing in and, right. and having my attention taken away. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's big because I think a lot of times people think about like, I want to make changes to my digital habits. I want to make changes to the way I use technology. And they think about, it's got to be this big lofty thing. Like I got to right. go a whole month without social yeah, media. Right. I have to, you know, I have to, I'm going to, I'm going to go cold Turkey and it's going to like, you know, get a flip phone or, you know, something, something like that. Yeah. But I think your totally. point, like, 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at the end of the day, like that's a great starting point for a lot of yes. people. And, you know, going to go out to dinner and I'm going to leave my phone in my pocket or I'm going to turn my phone off or, you know, put it on, you know, sleep, whatever it is that I'm going to do, like start with little right. things and who knows what that might grow into. You might say, oh, that was actually not that bad. Maybe I need to start yeah. doing this in other places as well. And then before you know it, you kind of have your own personal plan of how you're going to kind of undigitalize certain points of your life so you can be more present, you know, in, in yeah. the moment. And you talk a couple of times about Silicon Valley and I used to work for Apple for okay. yeah. uh, about 11 years. And I was in, I was yes. in a retail store. And one of the things that Apple did for us was they got us all a subscription to the 10% happier app, which is a meditation app. And so mm-hmm. they paid for the whole company to have a subscription to this. And they, they were very, 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 very firm on like when you leave work, whether you're in corporate or you're in the retail store, like you leave work. So it was like, mm-hmm. for you had to like sign that you weren't going to mm-hmm. check emails. You weren't going to do anything like that because they just, they really pressed on us that like, when you leave work, we want you to be able to be present with your families because you're in this environment at work where you're immersed in all sorts of technologies. And right. so we want you to be able to feel free to leave that stuff at the yeah. door when you go home. 
And so they really pushed on us on, you know, meditation, stuff like that. And they said, you know, we really want to help you, um, you know, be able to be more present in the moment, things like that. So as, as you're talking about, about all these things with meditation and, you know, and technology, it just made, it was very interesting to me. I wonder what kind of research the higher ups at Apple were doing to kind of understand that connection between, you know, losing your personhood, losing your place and your presence, like in the midst of this technology world that we lived in, um, within the company. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think it, it, you know, I, I am first in line when it comes to new year's resolutions and wanting to change, you know, sure, everything in my life. Sure. Cause I'm so critical of so many of the flaws. <laughs> um, and I'm also like the first to like, not be able to keep a single new year's resolution yeah. beyond like I'm two second days. behind you. <laughs> <Right there. laughs> so to me, that's what's so attractive about, you know, and in the book, it's like, I don't prescribe anything. Cause I think we're all so different and we have, such I kept different... waiting for the plan. I'm like, maybe the plan is going to be <laughs> on the next chapter or something there's how's no she plan. gonna tell me to fix my life <laughs> that's right <laughs> there's a plan but it's not prescribed it's right it's, it's something that it does require a fair bit of self-awareness yes. or willingness yeah to examine oneself yeah um or at least observe oneself yeah. and i think but i think what's so fun and exciting to me actually in the process is is if we are willing to experiment and try different things, like you said, and actually try it enough. And, and enough might just be four times. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about a month, sure. right? Just try it enough to maybe see and taste something that's actually kind of yummy yeah. <laughs> about it. Yeah. Right. And so I'm just thinking about like, so many of us are busy. We got so many things going on, but you and I both have kids, but you know, we got to go pick up the kids from school or something like that. Right. Or we got to drive them from one place to some other place. And what I started doing was I started using the time in the car when I was just going, you know, from one place to another, mm-hmm. I started turning off everything, no podcast, mm-hmm. no radio, nothing. Right. And just driving in yeah. just driving. That's monotasking <laughs> in silence. Yeah. And in the beginning it was totally freaky. Cause I was, I was so accustomed to always using that time. You hear, you hear all the things, your car, all the noises it's making that you didn't hear. Before. <laughs> That's the other thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I was freaking out in the beginning because I was hearing myself. I was actually hearing my thoughts. Sure. Sure. And that was scary to yeah. me in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but as I kept doing it, um, it actually became incredibly restful. Like mm. the, the 10 minute commute or the 20 minute commute became this just it was like me in my tin can um (laughs) that like nothing was gonna come in and I could just be still see the trees see the streets that I drive all the time and actually see them and wonder about them um and so I think they're just lots of interesting pockets Mm. in our lives these in-betweens you know um, waiting at the grocery line, um, which we so often feel like we need to be productive. So we're checking or we're bored. Right. I actually think there's like really interesting times there to just like be there, Yeah, you know, be like present. in line. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you, when you were talking, I was looking for this quote in the book, um, about how like this, this whole mentality is almost like if, if we're going to Take a, if we're going to make changes to our digital lives, it's like we're, we're rebelling against the system almost, right? And I yeah. think you have oh, this yeah. one this one quote where it's early on in the book, but you say, when we try to resist checking our work email during the weekend, we shouldn't be surprised to find that we may run up against a broader and deeper cultural reality that champions productivity and financial success. Mm-hmm. When we unplug from social media for a few weeks, or for a few minutes, <laughs> for, for some of us, we shouldn't be surprised when relationships feel uh, destabilized, when we feel cut off from everything that is happening, and people question our commitment to friendships, because any such resistance against the prescribed pra- practices of this digital ecology may threaten to tear at the very fabric of who we are and what our reality has become. Changing our digital habits can feel simply impossible and be quite painful. I think that's that's yeah. that's huge, because like I it's almost like there's this expectation, whether it's that, you know, the man or the system has placed on us or that we've placed on ourselves that 
you know, my relationships take place primarily through this screen. You know, like for me, like I'm managing the social media for me, these two other people, like there's a mass amount of followers for each one. And you want to make sure people feel connected. You want to make sure people feel, you know, responded to, because for a lot of those people, you don't know who, how many of those people feel so alone that like they don't have as much connection. So like maybe your connection with them and like, whether it's, you know, an author in their book or me and my podcast, like you don't want to, you don't want those people to feel alone. So you put this pressure on yourself that like, I have to respond to them because, you know, if I go four hours without responding to their comment, they might think that maybe I've abandoned mm -hmm. them or maybe they, maybe I'm, I have a problem with them. So all of a sudden you feel all this pressure. And I think yeah. you, like your point that you just made in the book there, it's, it's, that's the culture that we live in. That's the system that's been set up. And so choosing to do it differently is really like an act of resistance. It's, it's an act of rebellion to say, no, this yeah. isn't reality. Just because I went yeah. 10 minutes without responding to it doesn't mean I don't like you. Uh, you know, it right. just means I have a life. I have a daughter. I have a wife. <laughs> I have a home. <laughs> Things I have to do, you know? And I think that that's just, right. I think when you read that, it puts so much of the questions in perspective about mm -hmm. what we're really up against when, when we talk about all this. Yeah. And I think that's how... Um the the digital landscape today is so different from what it was 20 yeah. you know 30 years ago right. um, because it is so enmeshed and yeah. and i think it is so and and these expectations have developed with they're unspoken right yeah. like the nobody's like nobody said like oh 10 seconds or 10 minutes or you know <laughs> is this the the standard time to you respond to a like nobody's right. said you know yeah. that and and you talk to different you talk to college students you talk to high school students you talk to different groups of people and they have different lines that they yeah. draw you know yeah. about like how fast you're supposed to respond and what what does six hours mean versus you know a day yeah. and i just think we're gonna i don't know we're just gonna make ourselves crazy yeah. um and you know, one of the things, and I don't know how this would transfer over into the kind of work that you do, but mm. one of the things that one of my colleagues did at a previous institution, which I thought was just brilliant, was in his signature, his email signature, he actually had um, a line that said the hours in which he would be online, mm. like like his his office hours, so sure, to speak, but sure. online. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, it, and it said like, mm -hmm. when I'm, when I'm online during these hours, I will respond to you. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you ASAP. can sure bet yeah. I'm, I'm always going to be there yeah. during these times, but these times, mm -hmm. you know, and they, and he was very generous. Um, but it was so helpful, you know, mm -hmm. because it was sort of like, Hey, these are just, I am available to you, sure. but during these times. And yeah. then he set all the expectations you know, because college students hold different hours um, <laughs> from those of us who are older and have different kinds of household responsibilities. Yeah. Um, so it was just helpful. And he would tell the students, he's like, I want to be there for you, but just yeah. not at three o'clock in the morning or right. even midnight. Right. You know, here's here's my times. Yeah. Let's let's make this work. And so I just I wish there was more ways for us to do that mm -hmm. with each other, you know, to be more explicit, yeah. to say, I care for you. I, or I understand my responsibilities to mm. this job, but here's, here's when, you know? Um, and, and when you see the hours, it's like, you know, no one's trying to like be cheap about right. their hours. It's just like, Hey, I've got, I've got these other parts of my life. Yeah. I think, I think it's, you know, it's, it, it's a call for creativity. I think too. I mean, it's a call for mm -hmm. us to be, we have Times are changing, you know, technology is mm -hmm. not going to stop evolving. It's just going to keep, like you said mm -hmm. before, it's going to keep evolving. And I think it calls for us just as people are creative and creating the technology, we've got to mm -hmm. be creative in setting mm -hmm. up those different boundaries and what it's going to look like in the more virtual world. So it's a call for yeah. creativity on both ends. Yeah, no, that's yeah. good. Awesome. Well, hey, we are just about, I'm out of time, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and join me. I really appreciate your work and I appreciate your your presence, your virtual presence with me <laughs> today. Yeah, no, this has been great. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, you're not on social media, correct? I am not on social media. Okay. Is um, there any way your people can go to connect with your work online? Is there any kind of website or blog or anything like that? Yeah, I have a website. It's FeliciaWooSong.com. 
and it's got some of the kind of latest updates and and there's a way to connect to awesome well, i'll put the link in the show notes and uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime yeah that would be great awesome Thanks. thank you i've been busy searching for you yeah trying to figure out if it's true true don't think that i've been played by a fool yeah just mind don't mind don't play by the rules i'm gonna make sure that i play my cards right intuition gave me signs that everything is all right Contemplating on my moves, I'm in a fight Under pressure, feel the walls, I'm moving in, it's getting tight Tight. The shuffle getting real. real. I hope it lives on something good. I'm all in for the kill. kill. Sometimes kill. it's getting kind of scary. I'm here for the thrill. Decisions on top of decisions, like I chose a pill. The bottle getting kind of empty. Temptations made us presence in the air. It's kind of tempting. Shortcuts after question, but it got on my attention. Uh oh, and I forgot, but did I mention? Looks like I won the game, made my decision. I listen. I listen. I listen. I've been busy searching for you, yeah Trying to figure out if it's true, true Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah Just mind, don't mind, don't play by the rules, no Captain on the low Gotta let it flow Gotta let it go, yeah On to something new, yeah Trying to play it cool Quit with all the tools, yeah Maybe you're my calling like I'm on flight at 28 Manifesting everything I take, it's not too late Running to my purpose like I'm rushing to the gate Of course it's in my planning and it's also with my faith At the end of the day, if we gon' find a way It's a fact of the price that we pay Everything shine to the gray Nothing gon' break to the shade Nothing gon' break to the hate Everything all that we claim Hit the red dot that I aim no missing, I'm focused, no slipping, I'm growing, no talking, just showing, no stopping, keep going, yeah, I'm just trying to break codes, ain't nobody I owe, this the life that I chose, and I'm blessed for it. I've been busy searching for you, yeah, trying to figure out if it's true, true, don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah, just mind don't mind, don't play by the rules, no. Captain on the low, gotta let it flow, gotta let it go, yeah. On to something new, trying to play it cool, quit with all the tools. <laughs>